so this is our very first episode of um our new podcast uh, my name is Brittany, and i am tyler and we decided to do this little podcast that we are calling blood and wine um just because i i guess you could say it's two of our passions uh we <laughs> we are definitely some wine drinkers yeah. and um as you know pretty much everyone else nowadays we kind of have an obsession with true crime and also i guess like everyone else we decided to make a podcast about it yep. and um you know tyler is uh we're, we're siblings mm -hmm. and this is just something that we are constantly talking about and we thought it might just be a fun idea to share it with everyone else um so a little explanation of our podcast name blood and wine it's kind of twofold i guess <laughs> <What>? <laughs> no continue no. <laughs> so there's the obvious the blood and the wine so we're talking about true crimes a lot of the times those are going to be murders um that involve well blood and wine sometimes wine <laughs> yeah, that that'll be like the epitome of <laughs> the crime one that has to do with something with like wine like, and it's and, a crime. And this person was murdered for stealing a fifty dollar bottle of wine. Mm, I get it. <laughs> or it's like I don't know, whatever. Yes, the uh, maybe that can be one of our topics one of these days. Oh but anyway, the also um, oh, and the wine part, obviously, wine. That's mm. kind of self-explanatory. But the other like kind of second fold of this twofold title sure. is <laughs> is the the blood we're siblings as i stated earlier what? so all right um how this is going to work each week we are going to begin by introducing a wine we'll talk about the wine kind of like the grapes etc and then we'll each jump into a different case um each week is going to have a topic and uh kind of at the end we're going to have a post-mortem pun intended <laughs> where we are going to discuss who um quote unquote wins or has the best most interesting i, I kind of hate to say like Best. <laughs> who has the best serial killer? Um, who has the best murder? Yeah. No, but but uh, that's something we'll know. I mean, you know, some are better than others. Right. So, and the way it's going to work, the winner is going to select the wine for the next week. And the loser is going to have to come up with the topic for the next week. Um, and we'll just kind of keep that going. And that's going to be our process. Um, so without further ado, I feel like I was going to say something else and I do not remember it. Oh, this week's topic. Oh yeah, that's important. <laughs> Let them know what we're, what we're talking about. So this week's topic is going to be our favorite serial killer. Yeah. Um, or at least one that we found to be pretty damn interesting for the first episode. So now without further ado, <laughs> I am going to let Tyler introduce our first wine. Okay, so for uh, for the first episode, we chose something that we had already bought, um, and we chose the Trader Joe's Coastal Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, 
little bit about the grape. The Cabernet Sauvignon grape is actually one of the most widely uh, recognized grape varieties in the world. Um, it's pretty much grown anywhere anyone grows wine grapes, uh, from Canada's Okanagan Valley to Lebanon's Bekaa Valley. So it's pretty widespread, it has a bunch of different uh, varieties, flavors based on uh, kind of where the grape is grown. Which is really good because, um, I mean, as you know, Cab is my absolute favorite. Oh, same. Like, I love that grape varietal, so. Oh, same. And you can, you know, a cab from, like, Washington is so different from a cab from, like, Italy, but... Yeah, but uh, mm. I'm all about those Napa cabs. Same. Same. Which this one is? I mean... I think... I don't know. It, it's not branded Napa, but it, this one is from... I mean, it's Trader Joe's Coastal. Um, the vineyard is in, um, is on the California coast, like all of, uh, Trader Joe's coastal wines. They have different, um, they have a Zin, a Cab, Chardonnay, a bunch of different kinds. Yeah. Um, now this one in particular, uh, Trader Joe's describes it as fruit forward, medium bodied Cab with blueberry, currant, and pepper flavors. Hints of oak, moderate tannins, and a balanced acidity. Um, so, I mean, it kind of sounds like standard cab. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like, <laughs> which, which is nice. I'm not a huge, huge fan of super, super oaky cabs. So, this one will probably be pretty good. Um, I will say, even before opening it, my favorite thing about this wine is that a bottle is like $5.50. So, definitely a budget wine, <laughs> yeah. but maybe a... Uh, Half step up from a two buck chuck. <laughs> Maybe a full step. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it's d more than double the price. So. Whoa, good point. Good point. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm going to open it. And unlike two buck chuck, it does not have that handy little pull tab. <laughs> and so I have to use the worst wine cutter in the world. Mine is terrible. It is rusted and barely cuts foil, which is just not a lot to ask for. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, I'm looking forward to trying this. I can't remember if I had the Coastal Cab or not. Let's, oh, yeah. let's, let's hear that pop. It. Oh, that was okay, kind of a quiet pop. That's pretty weak. Maybe it's the opener we're using. I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those little, like, it wishes it were a Houdini. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it definitely does. Um, all right. Yes. So, I, I mean, I will say I, I like that we'll be uh, having some wine while we discuss these topics because, uh, well, they're pretty intense and we're going to be glad we have a little bit of wine as we go through this. Yeah, it, uh, they go kind of deep. I, <laughs> I, I will need a drink by the end of mine, so it's nice to, you know, start early. All right. So, cheers. Cheers. Yeah, I mean, for five dollars, that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty solid. good. That's solid. Yeah, I um, you know, I had a bottle of Trader Joe's two buck chuck cab last night. So in comparing the two, this one's a lot better. It just has a lot more like of the flavors and stuff. I love two buck chuck. Don't get me wrong. It's two dollars. <laughs> Who doesn't? Um. <laughs> But if you're, you know, trying to Im impress someone on a budget, 
Uh, this is definitely definitely tastes like a fancier wine. Definitely tastes like a better wine. Um, yeah. yeah, it does. So now let's kind of jump into what we're here to talk about: the murders, the serial yeah. killers. And um, for this one, I am going to go first. And you know, because it's episode number one, I decided to just pick a pretty heavy hitter. <laughs> Um, so I am doing Jeffrey Dahmer, mm. otherwise known as the Milwaukee Cannibal. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of weird though. Actually, I've always known him as Dahmer. Like people don't really refer to him as the Milwaukee Cannibal, I feel. No, or at least nowadays. No, I don't think they really do. I think that was more like his name during it, maybe like during the trial. Mm, yeah. Um, but also like it's... I, I kind of feel like maybe we'll get the impression as I'm going through this. It's almost like his cannibalism was mm -hmm. kind of just a part of it, but not really the focus. Like that's not why he was doing what he was doing, but yeah. it's just like a kind of a creepy detail that just happens to be in there. Let's get into Dahmer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So he was active between 1978 and 1991. He killed mm. 17 people. That's at least that we know of. Uh, again, he was a cannibalist, rapist, murderer, and he was also murderer, and he was also into necrophilia. Mm. Um, he was a product killer and not a process killer. So what that means, um, product killers kill for kind of the, the end result. Mm -hmm. Process killers kill because they like the process of however they're doing that killing. And so a lot of the times, like... A serial killers identified as either process or product um and again Dahmer was a product killer he actually hated killing which oh. is kind of like dude the motherfucker you kill some people 17 people well um but basically he uh and, and i'll get into this more later but he was like a severe alcoholic and before he would um kill someone he would definitely be pretty drunk before he before he did it so it kind of to uh, get up his nerves or whatever or uh, ease his nerves you know before he murders someone you know yeah i get it i'm gonna give uh, some background on Dahmer. so he was born may 21st 1960 to joyce and lionel Dahmer in washington um growing up Dahmer was mostly ignored by his parents uh, his mom craved attention, and his dad was pretty engrossed in his studies, so uh, Jeffrey was left alone a lot of the time. When he was a kid, um, Dahmer was really interested in animals, and so he would collect mm. small bugs, dragonflies, and he'd put them in jars, and then he'd put these jars in uh, the family shed. So, you know, harmless. It kind of took, he took it a step further, and um, he started collecting roadkill. Ew. He would take these animals home, dismember them, and store their parts in jars. Um, Gross. <laughs> yeah. So he, he really had this fascination of how the bones fit together. And apparently he would touch live animals, like kind of feel on their bodies to find out where the bones were. Dahmer liked his animal parts and they like pulling them apart. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so a little bit further in the future, it's 1970, and um, over a family dinner, 
Dahmer allegedly asked his father what would happen to the chicken bones from the chicken that they were eating if they were put into bleach. And, um, hint, that's a little bit of foreshadowing. But, so, his father, who, like, previously had been pretty concerned about Dahmer being so reserved and whatnot, actually kind of latched on to this fascination with a scientific curiosity. Mm -hmm. And his dad showed him how to safely bleach and preserve animal bones. So, um, thanks, Daddy Dahmer, because then, you know, mm. obviously, again, like I said, foreshadowing. But Dahmer did take this technique that his dad taught him, and um, he used it on the animal bones he'd been collecting. Mm. So, but, like, just, like, a, a bit of a side note. Again, like I said, Dahmer was, or maybe I didn't say this, Dahmer was 10 when mm -hmm. this happened. And um, so it really shows that he kind of honed this skill of bleaching and preserving bones and, like... Mm worked on his technique for years so when he was in high school he was definitely an outcast he had a few friends um but he started drinking at a very very young age and very heavy when he was 14 he would constantly be bringing beers and spirits to school um there was one story that i read about uh how he just had like a cup of gin in class and his classmate was mm. like dude like what the fuck? And Dahmer said um, that it was his medicine. Okay. So um, he would drink all day long, just mm. always be drunk. Uh, but surprisingly, and I say surprisingly, I mean, I don't know, but like it, he had good grades. Teachers, he was very intelligent and teachers complimented him on that. Mm. Um, so that's pretty interesting kind of around the same time like when he's going through puberty and growing up uh that was when he realized he was a homosexual mm. and um he, yeah that's when it happens i mean i guess that's <laughs> fair it sounds like it, that's probably generally like puberty is when you figure it out mm -hmm. when you're like oh and like mm, yeah dick mm. <laughs> <laughs> so he found out he was a homosexual he kind of kept that to himself. He didn't. He did not tell his parents. Kept it hidden. This is the seventies, right? Yeah. So okay. at this time, he is. Um, this is like seventy six. So oh, he just okay. turned like sixteen, seventy six. Um, so at this same time, he started being really intrigued by ideas of dominance and control over a submissive partner. And then he somehow got those ideas of dominance intertwined in his mind with the dissections that he's doing. Oh, no. So this is kind uh, of... <laughs> I think I see where this is going. <laughs> so this kind of is, is that turning point I was kind of talking about where, like, yeah, he had this interest in, like, dissecting animals. Um, supposedly, Dahmer says he never killed animals. It was only roadkill. But, like... Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to give him cool. that. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's just like, uh, okay. Um, when he was 16, he had this constant rape fantasy. And it involved a neighborhood jogger. So it was, you know, he would watch this jogger every single day. And in this fantasy, he, like, knocks a jogger over the head where he's unconscious and rapes his body. So this was something that Jeffrey, like, Jesus. I know. Again, this is like a 16-year-old. And he's has this major fantasy. Well, he finally decides that he wants to do it. He wants to enact his fantasy. 
So he goes um, to the same spot where he always sees this jogger run by every single day. And I think he's welding like a baseball bat or something to knock him out so he can rape him. And thank God for this guy, the jogger did not take his normal route that day. Oh Jeffrey, my God. <laughs> Dahmer never completed this, this rape fantasy, um, but he did later admit this was the very first time that he had um, attempted to attack another human. So in 1978, Dahmer graduated, which he was lucky to do so um, because his grades had plummeted. A lot of that was due to, I told you, he was an alcoholic. He yeah. was still like drinking every day. Mm. Uh, but also things weren't really going very well at home. His parents were constantly fighting and eventually they got a divorce. So, you know, this is, again, 1978. Clearly we see Dahmer's in a pretty dark place. He's drunk all the time, he's a severe alcoholic, he's just graduated, um, his parents just got a divorce. I believe his family, uh, yeah, like his, I think his mom and brother moved somewhere and his dad's somewhere. So Dahmer's alone in his family home. Oh. And, um, you know, it's not too surprising while Dahmer's in this very dark place to learn that this is when he committed his first murder, just three weeks after he graduated. Jesus. So he lured a hitchhiker, Stephen Mark Hicks, to the house for drinks. And this is to become Dahmer's like technique to get people over. Either, you know, in, in future murders, you know, he's like, hey, you want to come have drinks? Hey, you want to get some photos taken? And um, again, I'll go into more detail later of how he did this with a lot of them. But basically, uh, in his future murders, it's the Milwaukee gay scene. And so it's why a lot of it was very much ignored. Mm. Um, so anyway, so he gets Hicks over to the house and they're drinking and listening to music and Hicks decides that he's like done, he's ready to leave. And Dahmer doesn't want him to leave. So he bashes him over the head with a 10 pound dumbbell. Yeah. Um, after Hicks was unconscious, Dahmer strangles him with the bar of the dumbbell. Oh, okay. So like, you know, you've got, you know, yeah, strangles him. Um... And then he masturbates over the corpse. Gross. Yeah. So the next day, Dahmer dismembered the body and buried it in a shallow grave in the backyard. Shallow graves. Why do, like, I know it's a lot of work to dig, like, a six-foot hole. But come <laughs> on. Shallow graves, y'all. Well, it's because he was going back to it. <gasps> yeah. So a few days later, he unearths the corpse, removes the flesh from the bones... Dissolved the um, flesh and organs in acid, mm. flushed that down the toilet, and then he took a sledgehammer and pulverized the bones and sprinkled them in the woods behind his home. As you do. Okay. So this is, you know, 18-year-old Dahmer. He just killed this guy. Hitchhiker. There we go. Okay. Um, you know, dad comes back to Ohio. And Dahmer, he then decides, you know, his dad convinces him to go to college. So he goes to Ohio State University for only a semester. Mm. Because he's, again, still an alcoholic and it's affecting literally everything he tries to do. Yeah. So he doesn't go back for a second semester and his father urges him to go into the U.S. Army. Uh, Dahmer, trained as a medical specialist, went into the Army in 1979 where he was stationed in West Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, while he's there, let's just say Dahmer was not necessarily the guy that you wanted to be around. Um, he had a couple of his 
combat mates. I don't really know what you would call them. Army, army, buddies, army buds. <laughs> that he would rape. Oh. Yep. And um, his alcoholism increased. He eventually was discharged in 1981. Fun fact: He actually received a an honorable discharge because they believed that his, you know, the issues he was having in the army and his behaviors would not impact his civilian life. Um, He's raping his like <laughs> people. Clearly, they were wrong. Well, uh, this yeah. this just shows you again, like this is early 80s, and they don't know how to handle homosexuality, and so they're just ignoring it. <sighs> like that's. That's what it is. It's just yeah. like, yes, these these men were victims, but they want to deal with it. So they got an honorable discharge, and they're like, oh, no. Like, it's it's fine. This won't, you know, affect his life. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, um, you know, they gave Dahmer. He's leaving Germany, and they're like, buying him a ticket. And they're like, all right, dude, where do you want to go? You can go wherever he wants. So he decides to go to Miami. Um, he gets a job there, I think at, like, some deli or something. I can't remember exactly what it is. Hmm. He quickly, you know, he gets a small apartment. He quickly spends all his money on booze. He gets evicted um, and ends up having to return back to Ohio in that same year. So we're still in 1981. Dahmer's back home in Ohio, still drinking. And it actually caused him to be arrested for drunken disorderly conduct. Um, And his father sent him to Wisconsin after that to live with his grandmother. His grandmother was like his only family member that he had good relations with um and so basically it's like they pawned off the problem jeffrey child onto grandmother he's like 21 at this point though yeah. Re- um, basically okay. basically and like his dad was hoping that you know a change of scenery and like his grandmother's influence and it would end his drinking um yeah no but sure <laughs> yeah i mean it clearly as we know it didn't work it, it did work for a little while Dahmer got a job as a mixer at the milwaukee ambrosia chocolate factory mm. um he was working the night shift 11 p.m to 7 a.m oh god <laughs> yeah so um shortly after he he got that job um a man, I think, really, like, slipped him a note uh, and proposed to give him fellatio, give him a nice old BJ. At work? Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess, because it was someone at the office. Hmm. Um, Jeffrey declined. But... Oh. <laughs> I know, surprised, actually, <laughs> yeah. that he did that. Like, no, I'm good. Thanks, though. Um, but it actually stirred up those ideas of dominance and control and all these sexual fantasies that he once had. Oh, my God. This dude is known. Yeah, so it uh, that's when he started visiting Milwaukee's gay bars and the bathhouses, which I didn't really know bathhouses were a thing. I don't know if they still Oh, they are. Are, are they still a They're thing? They're very much still a thing. I've never been to one. Yeah. Um, so it was during this time that Dahmer realized he didn't like when his partner... So he's hooking up with a lot of guys. He didn't like them moving. Like? Like moving. During, like... Yep, any movement. Oh, any oh. movement while they were having sex... Dahmer realized he's like, I, I don't I don't like that. Can you like be still? Oh my god, there's toys for you if you want no movement. <laughs> oh, I didn't say this, but when he was living at his grandmother's, and I can't remember where in the storyline this fits, but apparently he brought home a mannequin. I was probably around this time. Oh. And his grandmother found it and she was like, Oh hell no, get that out of my house. Just did he like I'm, put a dick on the mannequin? I did he know. cut a hole in it? You know, I don't know. I don't know the details, but Fair. again, he That's doesn't weird. like the movement. 
So um, we're now in 1986, mm-hmm. and he starts giving uh, his partners sleeping pills. Like oh, he would just good. put them in their drinks. And so he's roofing people. Gotcha. Basically, yep, he's roofing them. Um, he, you know, to him, people were objects of pleasure, so he could do whatever he wanted to with them. They were objects. Mm. Um, he would rape their unconscious bodies. Soon, his membership to the bathhouse was revoked. Yep. Because they were like, um, no, can you just not? Um, and then there was one instance kind of, again, around this time in his life when he read a story about an 18-year-old boy who had recently died. He tried to dig up the corpse and stopped. Because, again, you know, he's like, oh, this kid's already dead. I might as well go take advantage of his body. But the ground was too hard, and so he gave up pretty quickly. Was this like like he busted into a cemetery? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he started trying to dig up this kid's body. Oh, Jesus. Um, and I'm just I glad need... he gave up pretty quickly. Yeah, fill her up. Yeah, I need more wine after this. Oh, and it's just getting started. I know. Yeah, um, I'm thinking we might need more than one bottle for this. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're almost done with number one. Yeah. So, in, in 1986, he was arrested for another time, this time for masturbating in front of a group of 12-year-olds. Jesus. I know. Um, he got a year of probation and was required to attend counseling. Okay. So, now we are up to 1987. And literally, this goes year by year by year. So remember I said he's active from 1978 to 19, 1991. Um, we're literally about to get into all of the Jesus. this fucked upness. So, because from like eighty-seven to ninety-one is when he killed sixteen people. Oh my god! So, just wanted to like kind of get uh, like point that out. This time frame and how small of an amount of time frame that is um, for like all the things he ended up doing. Well, one thing to also that that I just keep thinking about is Milwaukee's not known for a big gay scene. Like this is probably a fairly small community within Milwaukee that this is all happening to. Right. But because it is the gay scene, it's just being mostly ignored. Well, yes. And I but, think that's how he got away with it for so long. But from like the uh like the perspective of other members of the gay community in Milwaukee, I mean this is right after or during um the AIDS crisis. So, I mean, already so many members of the gay community are dead and dying. And then you have this serial killer picking y'all off. Like, and it's like, it's a, I'm assuming for, for the most part, if he's like active in the gay scene and stuff, like people know each other. You, yeah, you would think someone in that scene would have started to notice like, Hey, Every time Jeffrey goes on a date with someone, they die. Oh, no, no, no. Or that person disappears. Uh, well, yeah. Because maybe they don't know they're dead. Fair. Yes. So, uh, murder two. Okay. Stephen Tumoy. Um, and again, I should have said this at the very beginning. A lot of my information is coming from Wikipedia. This page is chock full of information. <laughs> like, literally. It was the biggest rabbit hole ever. Um, and then also I read an article in this Chicago Tribune and I'll, when I get to where I got that information, I'll kind of call that out again. But Wikipedia page, if you want to read even more details than what I'm giving, that's definitely where you should start. Mm, yeah. <laughs> okay. So murder two, Stephen Tumoy, T-U-M-O-I, I think Tumoy, Tumoy. Um, so Dahmer lured him into a hotel. 
Um, initially with no intentions of murdering him, he just wanted to drug and rape him. Uh, the following morning, though, Dharma wakes up and he finds that Tumoy is lying beneath him on the bed. His chest is crushed in, black and, bru- black and blue, covered in bruises, um, and there's blood seeping from the corner of his mouth. And Dahmer's fists and his forearm are bruised as well. Um, Dahmer said he had absolutely no memory of killing him. So, so he just like punched him to death? I, I like bashed his yeah. chest in. Um, like, I guess in a, in a drunken rage almost. Uh, I think he later, like during the trial, said something about maybe. And again, he's making it up because he said he doesn't remember it. Or maybe he does, and that's what we don't know. But he said, like, maybe he was trying to, like, pull his heart out of his body. Fuck. Okay. So, um, to get rid of Tumoy's body, Dahmer purchased a large suitcase that he he put the body in and took the body to his grandmother's house. Oh. Yeah. Because he's still living with grandma. Yeah. Um, One week later, one week later, (laughs) he severed the head, arms, and legs from the torso. And then he... um, Flayed the bones from the body, God. cut the flesh into small pieces, so small enough for him to handle, placed the flesh in plastic garbage bags, and threw it away. Just like in the trash? Just in the trash, right in front of oh. his grandmother's house. All right. Um, he wrapped the bones inside of a sheet, and then, uh, again, kind of how he did in the first murder, he hammered them into dust, essentially, with a sledgehammer. Mm. Um, this entire dismemberment process took him about two hours to do. And oh, quick work. <laughs> I know, actually, that's kind of scary because, oh, yeah, it's, I mean, just think about just, he's taking the flesh and the organs off the bones and then mm. pulverizing the bones and then chopping up the uh, flesh into small pieces. Sorry, super Gross. detailed, but that's fast work. Yeah. Um, I can't do anything in two hours. So anyway, so he put everything, even the uh, pulverized bones in the trash can as well. He kept the head, kept the head for himself. So for two weeks after the murder, he had the head wrapped in a blanket. After two weeks, he boiled the head in a mixture of Soylex, which is um, like an alakai based uh, industrial detergent. Oh, okay. So kind of like lye or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and bleach, and so because he wanted to retain the skull, so he's mm. trying to do this preservation method with. I mean, I guess I don't think he used Soylex um, on the animals, but you know he's taking it a step up because okay. it's a skull. He wants to keep it. Um, so he wanted to keep the skull so he could use it as a stimuli for masturbation purposes. Gross. Yeah. Uh, well, the skull ended up being too brittle in the bleaching process. After this, his second murder. He started to actively seek victims, uh, all with the same outcome. Lured them to grandmother's house, drugged them, strangled them, raped their corpses. Mm. So murder three was a 14-year-old Native American uh, named James uh, Doxtator, D-O-X-T-A-T-O-R, Doxtator. And then murder number four was a 22-year-old man named Richard Guerrero. Moving forward to 1988, this is after he's killed three people in his grandmother's house. She asked him to move out because she was sick and tired of him bringing young men to the house late at night. And apparently there was these foul smells coming from his the basement, which is where Don was staying in his grandmother's basement mm. um, and the garage. 
So he ended up finding a one bedroom apartment and moved in. So soon after he was arrested for drugging a 13 year old. Jesus. Uh, but his sentencing was delayed until 1989. So while he's, I guess, waiting on his sentencing, he's, he's free, he's not in jail. And this is when his fifth murder happens uh, to someone of mixed race named Anthony Spears. Dahmer did his same tactics. Um, he found Spears exceptionally attractive. Uh, and so Spears was the first victim that he permanently retained body parts. So like the ones before, he would keep it for a little bit, but then get rid of it. While with Spears, he preserved the head, the genitals, uh, both as an acetone, and stored them in his work locker. Remember he works at a chocolate factory? God. Just want to note that chocolate factory is definitely still open. Just, you know. Hmm, yummy. It kind of makes me worried that maybe people in the 80s were eating like bone dusted chocolate you know that crunch in an almond <laughs> God, <laughs> jesus i mean i don't know i just a little worry mm. um so when Dahmer moved to his new address he he took the remains there so Dahmer's in his first one bedroom apartment and he's going to move to another one bedroom apartment and mm -hmm. he kept the remains and like took them with him okay. yeah so um Finally, we get to 1989, and he's sentenced to five years probation. And again, this was for drugging a 13-year-old. Hmm, five um, years probation, that's it. Well, yeah, and he had to register as a sex offender. And then he had, like, one year in a house of corrections. Um, so now we are into the 90s, and this is where things, like, really get going. I mean, I guess he's already killed five people, but again, we're going to get up to 17. All right, this is when he moved into mm. the apartment that we have all heard of, Dahmer's apartment. I wonder if it's still an apartment building. I bet they have torn down that building. God, I hope so. How weird would it be if you just didn't know? You're like, oh, I'm going to rent an apartment. Got a new job in Milwaukee. Oh, it's the Dahmer apartment. Well, so um, if it still exists, it is 924 North 25th Street, apartment 213. Uh, so if while I'm talking, you want to look up and see if that still exists. I, I do. <laughs> um, so, again, when he moved into this apartment, he t he took Anthony Spears' skull, scalp, and painted genitals. So, like, he decorated them. I guess to make it a little bit fun. Then we're on to murder six. Raymond Smith. This was shortly after Dharma moved into his apartment. He, you know, same tactics. He then decided to do something a little bit different. He took some photos of Smith in different positions before he dismembered the body. Um, so he got to kind of keep those photos. Uh, he preserved some of the parts, painted the skull, placed it next to Spear's skull. So he's just got his skull collection. Hmm. Oh, I looked up. They demolished it in 92. Okay, that's what I figured. I mean, couldn't you imagine? It's probably from the smell. Like You can't yeah. get that out. Like, God. it just it smells like that stay forever. Well, yeah. Mm. So, um, I need some more wine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Finish the bottle. Oh, thank you. We'll open another one here in a second. Yeah, we'll need it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, murder seven. Dahmer lured 27-year-old acquaintance uh, named Edward Smith, which I think that's kind of ballsy for it to be an acquaintance. Mm -hmm. So he lured Smith to his apartment. I guess, though, I mean, people have a lot of acquaintances. I guess that's true. And like you said, this was a pretty small, well, potentially a small community. Mm -hmm. And so it was probably acquaintances with a lot of people. 
Um, so he drugged, strangled, raped, all the same. But on this occasion, instead of uh, immediately acidifying the skeleton, uh, he put it in his freezer for several months to oh. see if it would retain moisture. Well, that didn't work. Um, he, so he acidified it several months later. But that's just gross. I mean, thinking like he's got this body next to his egos, next to his <laughs> pine of dryers. Yeah. Yep. Ooh. So uh, Dahmer also tried a new process. Um, he placed a skull in the oven to dry. It didn't work. It exploded. <laughs> did he, like, during this time, did he never have visitors? Like, did no one ever come to his apartment, like, a friend? And, like, I'm hungry. What's in the free? A person. A person's <laughs> in the freezer. Um, I mean, I, I would assume no. And also, I'm thinking he's just, like, leaving bits and pieces so we can, you know, dump it into his chili. So if he did have visitors, they probably ate people. Gross. Yeah. Definitely disgusting. Um, so later, Dahmer said that he actually felt pretty rotten about Smith's murder. And get this. His reasoning was because he wasn't able to retain any of the body parts. So it's like it was a failed murder because he couldn't keep parts of the body. Yeah. Uh, that's not why you should feel bad. No, it's definitely <laughs> not. Um, murder 8, Ernest Miller. Um, so at this time, Dahmer actually found out he was running low on sleeping pills. So he slashed Miller's throat with the same knife that he used for all his dissection. Um, so while he was dismembering Miller's body, he repeatedly kissed and talked to the severed head. Uh, he wrapped Miller's heart, biceps, and portions of flesh from the legs in plastic bags and placed them in the fridge for later consumption. So like I was saying, he literally would just keep bits and pieces to add into his meals that he was making. God, that's gross. Yep. Yep. Uh, murder nine, David Thomas. After the usual drugging, Dahmer decided he actually wasn't attracted to David. <laughs> yeah, poor David. Uh, but he was afraid that David was going to be pissed that he had been drugged. So Dahmer's like, well, I'll just kill him anyway. Uh, he took photos of him, but didn't keep any of his parts again because he was not attracted to him. Um, Dahmer then takes like, oh, sorry, were you going to say something? No. <laughs> I'm just, damn. I know. <laughs> That's the worst first date ever. Like, ooh, not only you're not cute, but I'm going to murder you. Like, I'm sorry. I've already kind of started my process. This is, this is what I do. Mm. <laughs> this is why I don't date. Ha ha. I don't, I don't know. Like. God. <laughs> <laughs> this is just what I do every time. Um, he takes five months off, which is actually a very long hiatus for yeah. Dahmer. Well, especially when this is all happening within the course of like, not all of it, but the bulk of it happening within like two years. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, so in 91, so we're now in 91, he met his 10th victim, uh, Curtis Strotter. So same thing happened to Curtis that had happened to all of them before. Um, murder 11, Earl Lindsay. He was a 19-year-old um, who was all... Uh, he was a heterosexual. Dahmer lured him to the apartment where he... Um, here's another... And I put, I put more detail on this one because it's where he uh, makes a, a change. Mm -hmm. um, at this time, uh, Dahmer, he drilled a hole in his skull after, after drugging him. Drilled a hole in his skull and poured hydrochloric acid into it. Odd. Yeah. 
So, like, this, this guy's still alive. Um, according to Dahmer, Lindsay woke up after the experiment. Um, which, you know, Dahmer was hoping that he wouldn't wake up or, or that he would be in, like, this permanent submissive state. Yeah. Um, Dahmer said that Lindsay was like, I have a headache. What time is it? So he got hydrochloric acid poured into his skull and he can still speak. Like, that kind of, like, amazes me, the power where of the does, brain. Where does Dahmer keep buying, like, all this acid for, like, <laughs> every... Like, does he go to the hardware store and it's like, Hey, guys, need another 10 gallons of hydrochloric acid? They're like, hey, Jeffrey, aisle three. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, Amazon's not a thing yet. You um, can't just get it del- delivered online. No, but, you know, I bet he knew everywhere he could get it and would like frequent those stores but like at different times maybe to make it not look as obvious jesus i mean i don't know i don't know where you buy hydrochloric acid i don't either and i but <laughs> i mean i guess if there's a profession or something where you would be often buying hydrochloric acid you know maybe he pretended he was like an industrial cleaner or something i don't know what you use hydrochloric acid for i don't either but i sure know um it's not used in mixing of chocolate so he wasn't using it for his job <laughs> no i know but he could pretend no no, no could... I, I know but i'm just saying okay. with his actual job you know what maybe it is in mixing chocolate Maybe we just shouldn't be eating chocolate anymore. It has bone dust and acid in it. I'm not going to the Ambrosia Chocolate Factory. That poor company, though. Uh, like, just think about it. Freaking Jeffrey Dahmer worked there. I don't know how they're still in business. I think they're still in business. Uh, well, maybe their their chocolate is just that good. I don't know. Maybe you should look that up because I'm really curious <laughs> if they're still in business. Um, so anyway, so after Lindsay asked Dahmer, like, what time it was, Dahmer drugged him again, strangled him, um... He decapitated him, retained the skull. Uh, yeah, it's owned by Cargill now. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, it's still open. Well, there you go. So this is pretty gross. I'm going to read it. He flayed Lindsay's body, placing the skin in a solution of cold water and salt for several weeks in hopes of Ew. permanently retaining it. So it's like he's trying to make it like skin jerky. Mmm, nice of. brine. <laughs> um, he ended up disposing of the skin when he noted that it was too, like, frayed and brittle. Like, his experiment didn't work. But, you know, he's he's trying. It makes me wonder how many things he tried on those animals, like, uh, those skin and bones. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like he's still, like, extremely experimental. Very uh, curious still in the sciences. But his dad's proud. Oh, my God. Well, you know, he got what he wanted. <laughs> Well, like I was saying, this was kind of a, a turn in um, Dahmer's killing technique. It was the first time he tried pouring the acid into someone's skull, and he was wanting to create a sex zombie. And so this is some of the information I got from a Chicago Tribune article from 92 after he was caught. Um, one of the psychiatrists for the prosecution stated later during the trial that Dahmer, he may have stopped killing if he had succeeded in creating a sex zombie. Um, Dahmer had said, like, he was getting really tired of the killings. Like I said, he, he didn't enjoy it. Um, he wanted the bodies for sex and the parts for his shrine, which is another thing I did not mention. Dahmer was building a shrine. I'll get into a little more details of that later, but that's kind of what he was using the body parts oh for. Oh, my God. <laughs> the shrine in his apartment. Um, you know, and he was saying the dissection was getting pretty labor-intensive and he was getting tired of it. 
sometimes he would even, uh, he did a lot of the dissecting in his bathroom in the tub. Uh, so a lot of the times he would just take his showers over the dead bodies because they were in the way because it was very laborious. Oh my god. Yeah, he did that on many occasions. Uh, so he wanted to try to find a way like not to be killing people anymore. Uh, he wanted them to be alive but under his terms. So he ended up trying these kind of really crude lobotomies on uh, four of his last victims. But all of them died. He was yeah. not successful in creating a zombie. Um, you know, again, at this time, he's living in this apartment. We've kind of alluded to, like, the smells that must have been emanating from there. Uh, his neighbors were constantly complaining. Yeah. So the neighbors would go to the landlord about the smells and, like, how there's, like, chainsaw noises coming from Dahmer's apartment. Like, what the fuck's this guy doing and why does it smell so bad? So the landlord would just go to Dahmer's apartment and Dahmer would brush it off and be like, oh, sorry, my freezer broke and it's spoiled food. Or my tropical fish died. And the landlord would just like, was like, oh, okay. Sorry, Mr. Dahmer. Did, does like, like did the landlord never have like random inspections? Like, hey, we need to come in, uh, you know, check on your fire extinguisher. Like maintenance is going to come by, check your air conditioning. Did that just not happen while he lived here? Do you think you would want to go into Dahmer's apartment? I mean, no. Well, that's what I'm saying. They don't know that at this point. They just know that it's, like, kind of smelly. Okay, it smells really bad, and this guy's real fucking weird, keeps himself, and has, like, no friends and probably no visitors. Okay, but I'm sure we have neighbors like that. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Dahmer gets away because, you know, he's got spoiled food. You know, like, spoiled human flesh mm. which for him was food so i guess he was telling the truth you know what it's good that he's not a liar that's that's <laughs> what's important here um so uh, now we're on to murders 12 and 13 um and this one's murder 13 is pretty intense and 12 is kind of intertwined in this um so for his 13th murder it was a 14 year old named and i am so sorry i'm not going to be able to pronounce his name it's konarak Synth song phone? So this kid was 14. Um, Dahmer approached him uh, with an offer of money to accompany him to his apartment and pose for some Polaroid pictures. So this 14 year old was like, sure. Um, and, you know, weird tie in. This 14 year old kid was the younger brother of a boy that Dahmer had molested in 1988, one of his arrests. Jesus. Um, so, this kid was initially reluctant, and then he... Wait, did the kid know who Dahmer liked it? Like, oh, you're the dude that molested my brother. I think so. I think so, which is why he was initially reluctant. And um, and maybe maybe he knew, maybe he didn't. Maybe it was just this creepy guy being like, hey, come to my apartment, and I'll take some Polaroids of you. But he was going to give him money, and this kid's 14. I mean, yeah, no, I get it. So the kid ends up being just like, okay... Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, he poses for a couple of photos in his underwear. Dahmer then drugs him into unconsciousness, performed oil, oral sex on him. Um, and this is another instance where Dahmer was trying to create his sex zombie. So he drilled a single hole into mm. Synthesimophones. Man, I really wish I could say his name. I feel like I'm doing this kid just, you know, un- unjust. I'm not doing him justice, excuse me, because I can't say his name. Um, Mm. Anyway, he injected the hydrochloric acid into the frontal lobe, 
Before he fell unconscious, the 14-year-old, the Dahmer led the boy into his bedroom. So again, like, kids alive. Dahmer's, like, leading him into the bedroom. Um, and this is where there's a body of a 31-year-old, Tony Hughes, whom Dahmer had killed three days earlier. So that was murder number 12. So mm-hmm. this body's just, like, naked on the floor. Um, Dahmer was pretty sure that the 14-year-old kid saw the body, but he didn't react to this disgusting bloated corpse I mean, he had acid poured into his brain <laughs> right right so this is definitely likely effects of the acid um oh and the sleeping pills that he ingested. Oh, yeah so like he's very much not there um soon he became unconscious Dahmer drank several beers laying beside the body uh he ran out of alcohol so kids passed out. So Dahmer's like, okay, well, I'm going to go to the bar and get another drink. I'm going to go get some more alcohol. So early in the morning hours on May 27th, Dahmer returns towards his apartment to discover this kid sitting naked on the corner of 25th and State. Um, so he's sitting there with three dressed young women. Dahmer approaches the trio and explains to the women who, uh, you know, that the kid was his friend and Dahmer's trying to like, get the kid and go back into his apartment. And these three women are like, uh-uh, no, no, no. Like something is wrong with this boy. Cause I think he's like slurring his words. He's clearly like this young kid who's naked and I'm sure he's bleeding cause there's a hole in his freaking skull. Yeah. And so these ladies dial 911. Um, two officers got there and uh, he just let the officers know that this was his 19 year old boyfriend. And it's like the second he said, oh, boyfriend. The officers kind of start to Jesus retreat. Jesus fucking Christ. I know. So they just, Dom was saying, like, he's his 19-year-old boyfriend. He had too much to drink. And they kind of got into a little bit of a quarrel. Um, and, you know, that this is normal behavior when he gets drunk. The three women were, like, not, not buying this story. They were like, no, this is total bullshit. And they're like, officers, the kid's bleeding from his butt. Because I'm sure it's the acid in his skull. He's like bleeding from his butt, um, bleeding from his head. And then he seemed like he he kept like struggling when Dahmer would try to walk him up to the apartment. Like he didn't want to go up there. Jesus Christ. The officer told this woman to butt out and shut the hell up. The officer said that to the woman who's trying to defend this 14 year old kid. And, um, you know, don't interfere with this. And that it was the incident was domestic. So. Yeah. Um, also, 19-year-olds, like, do still look young. 19-year-olds do not look like 14-year-olds. Or I guess 14-year-olds do not look like 19-year-olds. No, I really don't think so. But I, I really think it was just that incident of, like, oh, this is my boyfriend. Uh, oh, it's a like, gay. Oh, oh, we gotta go. He'll touch us with the gay. Yep. Yep. Fuck. Can't do it. So these three women are still protesting the offers the officers just covered the boy up with a towel and walked him to Dahmer's apartment basically you know the officers wanted proof that this was Dahmer's boyfriend well lo and behold Dahmer had just taken the polaroids of him so he shows the polaroids of you know the semi-nude ones and the officers were like oh okay icky underwear boy yeah they were like all right you know y'all are together or whatever bye so later the officers did report that they noticed a strange scent from inside the apartment uh and that was the decomposing body of hughes that they were smelling along with all the other things but like think about that these officers literally got to his apartment's doorway they and there's a dead body in the bedroom just if they had instead been like oh well 
Yeah. If these officers had been a little more strict, been like, well, cool, but we're going to throw your drunk boyfriend in the drunk tank till he sobers up, they could have fucking saved him. Yep. I guess he wouldn't have sobered up, and then they would have been like, is that a hole in your skull? Oh, something's not right here. Yeah. I mean, the officers definitely made mistakes. They decided to not investigate. Cause, like, if they would have even done a quick background check, they would have noticed that Dahmer was um, a convicted sex offender. If they had asked to see ID for the kid, they would have been like, oh, that's like a middle school ID. Or whatever. Oh my god. So the two police officers leave and Dahmer again injects hydrochloric acid into this kid's brain. On the second uh, attempt, the injection proved fatal. The following day, Dahmer took a day off work um, because he had some work to do at home with dismembering the body of the 14 year old boy. And of Hughes, because again, there yeah. was still that body that's sitting in his room. So he's like, "Oh God, I've got to, t- I've got to take care of this." And so he took care of that. And he take a mental health day, guys. <laughs> yeah, sure, mental health. That's yeah. it. Um, he kept both of their skulls mm. for his shrine. So murder number fourteen. Uh, the, these next few, I'm just going to kind of read through them, and then we'll kind of get into how Dahmer was caught. Murder 14 was Matt Turner. Murder 15, uh, Dahmer lured a 23-year-old Jeremiah Weinberger uh, to his apartment with the promise of spending the weekend with him. Uh, This time, this was just a little bit different. Instead of the hydrochloric acid, he put boiling water in his skull. Oh. (laughs) I know. Fuck. The nice thing is... um, I'm sorry, the nice thing? uh, Well, okay. (laughs) Your brain, like, it's made up of nerves, but you can't feel it. Like, that's why they do brain surgery on people that aren't awake. Because you can't feel things happening to your brain. So, the nice thing is, you know, he's pouring boiling water and acid. But they probably can't... They're not feeling pain from that. I mean, they're feeling pain from, like, the... You drilled a hole in my head and... Whatever. But... I'm just saying. No, that actually, I'm glad you said that because I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And I was always wondering, like, why are these people screaming? Yeah. But still with the drill in the hole, why aren't they screaming? Well, I, I'm probably sleeping pills. But right. I, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so he does the boiling water. It sends Jeremiah into a coma. Jeremiah dies two days later. Uh, murder 16, Oliver Lacey. Murder 17, Joseph Brandehoff. And Joseph Brandehoft was Dahmer's final murder. So, how was Dahmer caught? All right. Dahmer had another victim, or a potential, I don't know, I guess he was still a victim. Was this after the 17th, so potential wanted to be 18th? Yes, this was a potential 18th, Tracy Edwards. Um, Tracy was a little bit different because he was kind of a fighter. Um, He, you know... Dahmer does his same thing, bites Tracy over for a drink and some photos, and Edwards immediately notices, like, this smell and a lot of peculiar things in the apartment. Mm. Um, Things are kind of going a little bit weird. Dahmer ends up brandishing a knife on Edwards, and he tells Edwards to go to his room for some photos. And Edwards is kind of like, okay, Jit, um, all right, I'll go. He goes into Dahmer's bedroom and he sees this blue 57 gallon drum with this strong 
odor eliminating from it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I'd be creeped out if someone, like, if there was no odor, someone just had a big-ass drum in their bedroom. Yeah, there was definitely a body in there. I don't know yeah. whose it was, but, uh, or if it was pieces of multiple, I don't know. There's a mm. fucking drum. Yeah, no, thank you. Probably liquid body parts in there. Mm, <laughs> Now, after a little bit of convincing, uh, after being in the bedroom, Edwards convinced Dahmer to go with him to the living room, and he was saying it's because the AC was in there, and he was getting kind of hot. I think he was, you know, he was really just terrified, and he was trying mm. to plan his escape, trying to get out of this apartment. Um, when the moment arose, he punched Dahmer in the face and ran out the front door. Fuck so, yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, way to go, Edwards. But also, I'm like astonished that no one else was able to get to this point. Yeah. And like to get out of there, like realizing like, Oh, this isn't okay. Like, I just can't imagine the odor. Like, why would you go? I know. Like I'm going to someone's place to hook up and it smells like, even (laughs) if it's like, Oh, they have 35 cats. Like I'm good. I'm going to go. I got things. I forgot. I have work in the morning. I have a headache. Yeah. (laughs) So Edwards runs outside, he flies down two cops, and he takes them to Dahmer's apartment. He's like, you gotta come with me. This guy's like seriously fucked up. He attacked me. Like, come on. So Dahmer lets the cops in. He's like, I guess he had like no fear. Um, And they even, or Dahmer like even let the cops go into his bedroom. Well, the cops are kind of looking around and they end up finding the drawer full of the pull rods. And Dahmer, like, not only did he take nude photos, remember he posed for the corpses. Oh, fuck. And so the officers are quickly realizing, like, holy shit. So is Dahmer, like, sitting in his living room while the cops are going through this stuff? Yeah, he's just there. Um, And the the, the police soon note, they're like, okay, we've got a killer on our hands, standing with us. Um, Dahmer saw that one of the cops, Mueller, was holding a lot of these Polaroids, uh, Dahmer starts to fight at that point when he noticed, like, he's been caught. Yeah. So he's trying to, like, resist arrest. Um, the officers overpowered him, cuffed him, called a second squad car there for backup. At this point, Mueller, the same officer that was holding the Polaroids, opened the refrigerator to reveal the freshly severed head of a black male on the bottom shelf. Dahmer's laying pinned on the floor uh, with Ralph R-A-U-T-H, which was the other officer that was there. Uh, he turned his head towards the officers and said, for what I did, I should be dead. So yeah. it's like, clearly Dahmer knows that he has messed up. Yeah. Yeah. Look, yep. So this next portion, I want to read it because it's showing, it's everything they found in Dahmer's apartment. Okay. And I just want to get all the details right. So I'm just going to read this because it's, it's chilling. It's oh. chilling. A more detailed search of the apartment conducted by the Criminal Investigation Bureau revealed a total of four severed heads in Dahmer's kitchen. A total of seven skulls, some painted, some bleached, were found in Dahmer's bedroom and inside a closet. In addition, investigators discovered collected blood drippings upon a tray at the bottom of Dahmer's refrigerator. Ew. Plus two human hearts and a portion of arm muscle each wrapped inside plastic bags upon the shelves. In Dahmer's freezer, investigators discovered an entire torso, which, like, how big is oh this freezer? God. Does he have one of those, like, French ones that you, like... <laughs> I don't know, because that is... 
There's a lot in his freezer because then he also had a bag of human organs and flesh stuck to ice at the bottom of the freezer. Gross. Yeah. Elsewhere in apartment 213, investigators discovered two entire skeletons, a pair of severed hands, two severed and preserved penises, a mummified scalp, and in the 57-gallon drum... Three further dismembered torsos dissolving in the acid solution. Fuck. A lot of torsos. <laughs> also, yeah. I still can't get over how he fit a whole torso and uh, plus other things in a freezer. I know. I'm glad there's not a photo, or at least not one I've seen. Um, a total of 74 Polaroid pictures de- detailing the dismemberment of Dahmer's victims were found. In reference to the recovery of body parts and artifacts at 924 North 25th Street, the chief medical examiner later stated it was more like dismantling someone's museum than an actual crime scene. So, that I... No, thank you. Every time I read, like, lists of things that he has and I'm, like, visualizing this, like, it's just... That's also a one-bedroom apartment. Yeah. Like, it's not like he has a house that he can, like, has a lot of room for this. He has, like, 330 torsos or whatever. I mean, there weren't that many. <laughs> it was, like, four, though. Like, yeah, that takes up a lot of space. It does. And this was summer of 91. We ended up being caught. And he was questioned by, questioned by Detective Patrick Kennedy um, about all of these murders that he'd committed and the evidence they found in his apartment and, um, you know, for... The following two weeks, Kennedy and then another detective, Patrick Murphy, interviewed Dahmer over and over and over. Uh, it ended up being over 60 hours of interviews. Oh, fuck. He, you know, so he waived the right of a lawyer and he readily admitted to having murdered 16 young men in Wisconsin since 1997. And a further victim, which was Stephen Hicks, his first kill in Ohio back in 1978. Jesus. Uh, one really disgusting gross fat he even admitted to having sexual acts with the victim's internal organs so like while he's dissecting them he's like doing stuff with their it's like fucking some a stomach yeah intestines lungs i mean i don't know it's just it's disgusting and um you know he was dismembering like i said dismembering these bodies in his bathtub uh a lot of the blood would be pulled inside the victim's chest and so he would, after he'd take out their organs, he would hang up their bodies so the blood would drain. And this oh is, my God. <laughs> I know. And this is, this is what Dahmer was saying like during his confession. He's like, oh yeah, you know, I had to, it's like you got very detailed. He's like, I take out the internal well, organs, it, spin the torso of the tub, drain their blood. Uh, well, he, I mean, it, he's like proud of this. Like he's like, it's, it's his craft. It's so, f- oh my God. It's like he's proud, but he knows he's a monster. He's I, mean, I think an artist is not the right word. Well, no, but he's like like an artisan. Like it's yeah. Yeah. Oof. yeah, so he took the flesh off the body, the bones he wanted to dispose of, he pulverized because he learned that was the best way, or he put them in acid to, to completely mm. acidify them. Um he did the soylex and bleach solutions to preserve the skeletons or the ones he wanted and the skulls he wanted to keep. Um, 
he, you know, during his confession admitted that he had consumed multiple hearts, livers, biceps, portions of thighs of all of these victims that he killed. Um, when they asked him why he preserved a seven, a total of seven skulls and two entire skeletons, uh, Dahmer then started talking about this shrine that he was creating. So he was building a private altar of victims uh, skulls. So he intended on putting these. Shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he intended to put these on like a black table in his living room um, where he'd been photographing some of the bodies previously. And he'd have like the display of skulls adorned with the complete skeletons on the side of Ernest Miller and Oliver Lacey. So those were two of his like later murders. He mm-hmm. kept the entire skulls of the, or excuse me, skeletons of those men. Um, and then it was be it was to be a place that he could feel at home. Dahmer's words, place he could feel at home. Wow. Um, though I feel like there are uh, stores you could buy that at, like not real skulls, <laughs> but like <laughs> oh, like like yeah. a little little skull altar, some uh, some little fake skeleton. He could have just gone to a Halloween store instead of murdering these people. I'm just saying. You solved it. I did. I I could have stopped Dahmer if he had lived next to a party city. Yep. (laughs) Did party city exist in the late 80s, early 90s? I don't know. I didn't exist in the late 80s. (laughs) I barely did. Um, But anyway, so at like a scheduled preliminary hearing in January of 1992, Dahmer pleaded guilty but insane on 15 counts of murder. And he did it on only 15 because I think there were a couple of them that they couldn't prove that Dahmer had mm. done it. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of information on the trial. Uh, the trial began in 1992. The issue that was being debated by the councils was um, if Dahmer had a mental disability or a personality disorder. So the prosecution was claiming that Whatever disorder that Dahmer had, it didn't deprive him of the ability of uh, appreciating the criminality of what he's, mm-hmm. what he's done. So, like, knowing what he's doing. And it didn't deprive him of the ability to resist his impulses mm-hmm. of these things that he wanted to do. Uh, the defense was on the opposite side arguing that he suffered from a mental disease. And he was driven by obsessions and impulses that he could not control. Yeah. So one of the forensic psychiatrists, George Palermo, concluded that Dahmer was a sexual sadist with an antisocial personality disorder, but legally sane. Um, the other one, Samuel Friedman, testified that it was this longing for companionship that caused Dahmer to kill. So he wanted a companion. Mm. Um, he said Dahmer's not psychotic. Uh, Friedman diagnosed Dahmer with a personality disorder obsessive compulsive and like sadistic trait. So the trial only ended up lasting two weeks. So February 15th, 1992, the court uh, reconvened to hear the verdict. Dahmer was ruled to be sane and not suffering from a mental disorder at the time of each of the 15 murders. Hmm. Um, Although in each count, two of the 12 jurors signaled their dissent. So there were a couple of people that were like, no man, he's gotta be insane. Like there's no way. Um, So, you know, understandable right right so uh, one of the things i was reading was saying that Dahmer, you know like i said earlier like he was an alcoholic and he had to drink to like 
you know, ease his nerves. And like that act is showing that he didn't have a mental disability because mm. he's making it to where he can be more comfortable to mm. to do this murder. Yeah. And okay. so like that was one of the things um, that the prosecution. Yeah. Yeah, that the prosecution set forward. I don't know why. Sometimes I always like mix defense, prosecution, which is which. Yeah. Yes, and I think that's totally normal. I think a lot of people yeah. do. But so, like, that's what the prosecution was saying. They were like, um, mm. "I'm sorry, if you had to get drunk to do these things, obviously he wasn't mentally fucked up." Like, obviously, he knew they were wrong. Knew he needed to take extra steps to uh, be able to do it. So, eh. on the first two counts, Dahmer was sentenced to life imprisonment plus ten years. Mm. The other thirteen counts. Um, he got a sentence of life imprisonment plus 70 years. And I think that's um, like, like that was the mandatory sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, though, for his safety, Dahmer was put in solitary confinement for his very first year um, mm. because they were trying to protect him. Well, uh, yeah, I can imagine a lot of prisoners wanting to kill him. Yeah. Well, uh that's what happened. Oh! After a couple of years, in November of 1994, Dahmer was beaten to death by another inmate. So, for all of his crimes, he only served two years in jail. Mm. That's Jeffrey Dahmer. It's a doozy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'd heard about him, but once I started actually digging into everything, it just, it's so much more fucked up than I ever realized. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, unless maybe you have a more fucked up serial killer to tell me about. Uh, well, uh, the serial killer I chose as my favorite, such a weird, I, uh, highlight. I, yes. The one yes. I'm not, this is, is our, our highlight serial killer episode. Not favorite. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to change that in the title of this. Um, but yeah, uh, I chose Gary Ridgway, better known as the Green River Killer. Oh, yes. Um, And while you dive into this, I'm going to open our second bottle of the TJ's Coastal Cab Mm. because I'm thinking we need more wine before we get into the Green River Killer. Uh, Yes. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, Gary Ridgeway, Green River Killer. Um, Fun fact to start it out. uh, Actually, Gary Ridgeway is the most prolific serial killer in U.S. history. Wait, really? Yeah, the most number of victims. Oh my god, I did not know that. Because, like, I've heard of him, but I, I had no idea he was the most prolific. Yeah, we'll... When, uh, as we get into it, you'll start to understand why um, he's less known. Um, a lot of his victims were on the fringe of society. Uh, sex workers, runaways. Which, um, super fucked up. Uh, kind of similar to how Dahmer's uh, Dahmer got away for so long because you know he was killing gay people and you know people that others didn't want to think about. Right. Uh, Gary Ridgway was killing sex workers and runaways, other people who society didn't want to think about. What uh, what years was he active and doing this? Um, from eighty one until or eighty two until. Possibly as recently as 2001. Wait, really? Yeah. Okay, because I always, when I think of Gary Ridgway, I think of, I really, I thought it was the 70s. And mm-hmm. the fact that it could be early as 2001, like that, that kind of fucks me up because I was very much alive during that time. Uh, Holy crap. Yeah. I was alive during both of these. Oh, yes, you were. Oh, um, God. 
Yeah. So uh, I do want to say before jumping in, uh, researching this was so fucked up on multiple ends. Um, first, like, Guru was a fucked up dude. Like, obviously prolific serial killer. Uh, second reason is a lot of the locations are ones that I know personally. Um, I used to live in Seattle. That's in Seattle areas where all these murders happened. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I forgot he was in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, yeah. So, like, for example, Gary Ridgway's blue one-story house off of Military Road near Pacific Highway, which... Uh, to anyone who actually lives in the area, is International Boulevard. I have never heard it called Pacific Highway. Um, I know exactly where that is. Wait, is the house is still there? Uh, yeah. Um, I have, without knowing that that's where the house was, driven by it multiple times uh, be, uh, because, um, like, Military Road is the easy way to take the back roads into Renton, which oh. is one of the cities in there. Um, so, super creepy. But here we go. Um, okay. Also, you mentioned that uh, Dahmer was a product killer. Uh, Garage was actually a process killer. Oh, he, oh I'm glad we picked opposites. I know. <laughs> he never had trophies, but he loved the process of killing. Fuck, and Dahmer was all about the trophies. That's what he wanted. Yeah. Um, so from 82 until possibly as recently as 2001, uh, Gary Ridgeway, like, terrorized the Pacific Northwest. Um, so to start off, he was born in Salt Lake City to Mary and Thomas Ridgway. Uh, didn't have a great childhood. You know, his parents arguing all the time. His dad would constantly uh, bitch about sex workers. <laughs> uh, oh, so this is something he was hearing all about all the time. Uh, yeah. Okay, his... I'm seeing foreshadowing. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, his dad was a bus driver and... I guess had to deal with sex workers being at bus stops and stuff all the time oh, and yeah. would constantly complain about them. Um, and then, you know, as he was a young kid, I read in the Seattle times, uh, that he actually told investigators that he wet the bed until he was 13 or so. Um, and his mom would like vigorously wash him and his genitals after he would wet the bed. Oh my god. Uh, which uh, it, it didn't really go into what vigorously meant um, but sounds a little more than soap and water. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, washing vigorously that does sound like a little bit more than just a pat and dry soap and water. You know, a little bit. Uh, also 13. So, little uh, starting to get Starting to get to the point where that's that's weird. You're you're a teenager, uh, but in school he was a slow learner and a poor reader, and was actually held back in two grades before graduating from Tai High School, which is in what is now SeaTac. Uh, but he graduated in 1969. Mm -hmm. um, uh, as a kid, teenager, he dabbled in arson. And um, paid a girl to fondle his uh, her genitals and uh, oh, like, in, like in front of him. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which weird. Um, he once suffocated a cat, which is super fucked up. Wait. Okay. Okay. Hang on. Hang on. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of the McDonald Triad? No. 
<laughs> oh my god okay uh so i had forgotten this about gary ridgeway um because apparently he embodies all of these things just from like what he, you've just said so uh the mcdonald triad was proposed by a psychiatrist um named jm McDonald. mcdonald yeah that's where it came from and it was a series of three different things and basically he was saying if if a person has two or more so i guess two or three of these things um, it's like the sign of future violent tendencies okay, okay the three things <laughs> this is what's crazy animal cruelty obsession with fire setting okay and bedwetting so Gary Ridgway had all three. Yeah, and it's something that is uh, very controversial, especially the bedwetting part. Mm -hmm. But there have been so many serial killers throughout time that display two or more of these characteristics, and it's it's so fucked up. And you just read all of them, <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, um, because when I was doing my research for Dahmer, I tried to see if he had the McDonald Triad, and he didn't really because like. I couldn't find any evidence of him being a bedwetter. There was no arson. Um, and like his animal cruelty wasn't really the case. Like mm -hmm. Dahmer said he didn't kill animals, like I said, but he did uh, dismember their bones, but it's not necessarily cruelty because they were already dead. Well, um, yeah. But Gary Ridgway. Uh, hitting all three. three. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Yeah. Um, so another thing, when he was 15, so. Like 15-year-old, like freshman in high school or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he walked up to a first-grade boy near some bushes on a street corner. How old are first-graders? Like six. Oh, my God. Yeah. And stabbed him in the side with a knife. Whoa. Uh, yeah. I thought he was going to, like, whip out his dick. Uh, no, stab him. <laughs> stab oh him God. with a knife. Uh, Ridgway said he simply wanted to see how to stab somebody. Yeah. So he stabbed the oh kid in the God. litter, in the liver. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, kid survived. Okay, but good. A, he shit. stabbed a six-year-old. So this kid like goes home and he's like, "Hey, mom, I got stabbed at school today." Like you know, no, not even at school. I got, I was you know walking on the street corner, got stabbed in the liver. Oh my God. Yeah. So, um, and then kind of going back to him wetting the bed at thirteen. Mom vigorously washing him. Uh, he told doctors that he was sexually attracted to his mother uh, and that his feelings for her fluctuated between lust and humiliation. Um, and Wait, well, okay, so he was saying this when he was like 15? I will say that's pretty damn odd. Uh, no, no, this is after he was caught. He's oh, oh okay, yeah, okay. Kind of okay. jumping around in the timeline. Okay, sorry, I thought you were saying that when he was in that age, and I'm like, wow, that's very, like observant yeah <laughs> no and uh he wasn't wasn't a smart dude wouldn't have known that <laughs> or wouldn't have uh said that stuff at uh like 15 um but apparently his attraction to his mother was also accompanied by murderous thoughts about her oh shit well, as I you mean, do if your mom's vigorously cleaning your genitals every time you pee in the bed yeah. i feel like that's gonna fuck you up for a while uh yeah yeah he was uh quoted as saying i had thought about stabbing her in the chest or in the heart uh and he had vivid memories of his mother washing him after he had wet the bed so um <laughs> if he was gonna stab her in the chest and or the heart or or the heart wouldn't that be like and I mean, you could stab her in the lung i mean i guess so. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, so pretty pretty fucking disturbed kid. Um, I also got to have to add, um, since we're at this point in the timeline, Gary Ridgeway, high schooler, fucked up. Uh, one of the reasons I actually picked him um, is that while living in Seattle, I met one of my best friends and she told me a story about how when her mom was in high school, at Taiyi High School, in what is now SeaTac, uh, her friend actually dated Gary Ridgeway. Wait, your friend's mom's friend mm-hmm. dated Gary Ridgeway? Dated the, the Green River Killer in high school. Okay, I am having so many thoughts and feelings right now. <laughs> One of yeah. them is like, this holy shit, I'm gonna scream, mm-hmm. because that's like the whole like six degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of thing going on right now. But with- Oh my God, I'm like four degrees away from Gary Ridgeway. <laughs> <laughs> Which is terrifying. A little bit. Um, the other thing is the fact that people dated him. Yeah, because like, he wasn't a killer at this point. But he was killing cats and stabbing six-year-olds, so... Pretty fucked up. You know, you just pick, pick your partners wisely, all I'm gonna say. You know, I'm just Don't like, date people that stab six-year-olds and suffocate cats. I, I'm, put, I'm, I'm picturing, like, your friend's mom telling your friend that her friend... Friend, 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 friend. Dated <laughs> Carrie Ridgeway and, like, how that moment was. And I'm thinking of how your friend's mom feels about it. But oh. then I'm going back and thinking about your friend's mom's conversations with her friend. Yeah. So, I'm getting in. pour some more after that. Yeah. Mm. All right, yeah. tell me more. Getting into his adult life. After high school, married, and he joined the Navy and was sent off to Vietnam, since this was during the Vietnam War. Um while in Vietnam in the Navy, he started having sex with a lot of sex workers. And that's kind of where moving from hearing about them all the time as a child to his obsession with uh, soliciting sex workers really began. Oh, okay. Um, and it's something to note here is that his ex-wives, because he had... <laughs> A couple. Who the hell uh, is marrying Gary Ridgeway? Uh, well, well, yeah. Okay, it's... I guess to be fair, BTK had a wife too, and he was like, Dennis Rader? Nope. All right, well. <laughs> well, this we'll, is gonna... we'll cover that one later. Because... We'll cover that one, and I, but, yeah, you know, I almost feel like I should make you do it, because you need uh, to experience that for the first time. <laughs> I don't know if I want to. Uh, but yeah, his ex-wives and girlfriends would go on to say that he had an insatiable appetite for sex and would demand sex multiple times a day, even wanting public sex in places where his victims' bodies would later be found. Holy shit. Also, again, picturing your friend's mom's friend and wondering if she was one of the people that inter- was interviewed. I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. Um, oh my god. Ugh. Yeah. Um, also, during his marriages, he had become pretty fundamentalist at this point um, and held some very staunch religious beliefs. Like what? Like, v- like, very, um, like a very fundamentalist Christian. Well, that's really crazy considering, like, I don't know, he, he seems like a very... 
Like, his actions were not what he yeah. is saying he believes in, whatever. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, at the same time, he's still soliciting uh, sex workers and, uh, you know, really not following the whole be a good person part of religion. I'm kind of seeing a, um, a foreshadowing moment of a maybe he's doing this because he... I'll, I'll let you continue. I'll let you continue. Yeah, it's uh, it's murder time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, throughout the 80s and 90s, he killed um, at least 71 people in the Seattle-Tacoma area. Wait, I'm sorry. Say the years again. Uh, between the 80s and 90s. 71? 71. Okay. Uh, Whoa. And most of his victims happened between 1982 and 1984. So, oh my uh, god! Okay, fairly quick span. I thought Dahmer had a quite a few in a short period of time, but clearly I was mistaken. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, he would pick up a lot of his victims, generally sex workers or runaways, on International Boulevard. Um, he would also go into well-known um, areas in Seattle that uh -huh. were well-known for having lots of sex workers. Uh, Aurora Avenue, which still to this day, uh, North Aurora is known for that. Oh, he would oh, go into okay. Seattle's International District um, to find, yeah, which is right next to like the train station. So to find okay. runaways, sex workers, yeah, um, he would then strangle them and dump their bodies in the Green River area. Uh, which huh. fun thing to add. <laughs> Fun. Uh, my friend Josh actually has a house on the Green River. It's in a like wooded area, secluded. It's a really nice area, actually, uh, but also apparently a murder factory. Uh, so, are there other killers who put their bodies there? There are. Oh God. So I'm probably assuming... not at his house. I would hope. Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> so I'm I'm guessing this is where Gary Ridgway got his name. Yes. For dumb bodies in the Green River, Green River Killer. Got it. Green River is a river that's in the Seattle metro area. Like, a lot of this you think of happening in, like, the middle of nowhere. It's literally, like, 30 minutes from Seattle. I, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I, when I've been picturing this kind of being in a rural area, but clearly it's it's not. Uh, no. Oh no. God. And the fact that you used to live there is kind of, this is wigging me out because I'm like, was I around any of these areas when I visited you? Uh, maybe. Oh my God. <laughs> maybe. Oh, that's so creepy. Oh yeah. He used to, he used to live in West Seattle where I lived. Obviously not like the same place place, but he used to have a house in West <laughs> Seattle. Jesus. So do like... Okay, get into the murders because I have, yeah. I have, I feel like I have so many questions boiling up right now. Okay, so I mean, if that's what you're doing, yes, you may have more uh, background. No, you that's said it was about murder time. <laughs> um, so one thing to note is there's not a whole lot of detail on the murders themselves. Unfortunately, because a lot of his victims were sex workers and runaways, there's not a lot of information on a lot of them, and it's really sad and fucked up that a lot of these people went missing because they were murdered and like their families didn't really know they were missing because they because ran away the, like or, oh because they were runaways or prostitutes and so they weren't like like people weren't necessarily looking for them as much as someone would um 
Which is super fucked up and super sad. No, that is really um, sad. I mean, that these people were murdered and no one knew because no one cared. Yeah. That's... And I mean, obviously, the victims' families did care. But at, at the time, it's like, oh, you know, we haven't seen Tracy in a long time. Well, right. They just knew that Tracy was know. gone. They didn't know Tracy was dead. Exactly. God. Uh, so the general kind of rundown of what he would do, uh, he would begin each murder by picking up a woman, uh, again, usually a sex worker. Uh, he would sometimes... So with his second wife, he had a son. Oh, like Gary Ridgeway uh, was a dad. Wait, so you're telling me there's Gary Ridgeway Jr. running around somewhere? Uh, yeah. That's like my age. Uh, Yeah. Oh my god. A little older than you, but yeah. Little little baby Ridgeway. Uh, But he would sometimes show the women a picture of his son to trick them into trusting him. Because he's like, oh, I'm a good guy. I have a son. Because only good people have children, right? Did you say his son's name? Do you you Uh, have any No. Okay. I figured that wouldn't be information that they would like have out there, but I'm just curious. I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure he's changed it. uh, Yeah. Uh, but after showing them a picture of his son, tricking oh, right. them to trust uh, him, he would rape them. Oh, yeah. And of course, um, add a little rape into the story. Just a little bit, you know, just a lot, not a little bit. <laughs> but um, after uh, raping his victims, he would then strangle them from behind. Um, oh my God! So like they couldn't even see. Yeah. Didn't even see it coming. Okay. Yeah. Initially, he strangled them manually, like with his hands. Um, but so a lot of his victims um, would fight back and inflicted cuts and bruises on him when trying to defend themselves. Um, you know, I, I will say, I feel like, unfortunately, in the line of work that these women were in, that's probably something that they they made sure they could defend themselves. Yeah. Like, I'm sure this may have not been the first time they were attacked. Oh, I'm sure. So that's probably why they fought back. Yeah, because there's not... Well, in... They could have just fought a little bit more. Well, in in sex working, there's not a lot of, like, legal defense that you can have, so... True. Which is really fucked up how people are so against and are so quick to blame and attack people who are sex workers. Uh, no, it is. It's like they're um, doing something wrong and so they deserve what's coming yeah. or can't so can't get up. just defense. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, that's yeah. really fucked up. But um, because his victims would fight back and he would get bruises and stuff, he would... Um, he later moved on to like ligatures and so rope or something like to strangle his victims with. Gotcha. Um, he actually killed most of his victims in his home, uh, his truck, or in a secluded area. So while he's married, he's taking uh, some of these sex workers home and killing them there. And his what? wife has no idea. The bodies were often left in clusters, sometimes, so like multiple bodies in the same area. In his like dumping area? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes he would pose them, um, and usually they were naked. Oh, wait, and so he dumped like all the bodies in the Green River? In what most of the bodies in the Green River 
area. Like, oh, not throwing gotcha. them in the river, but burying them in the soft soil near the river and in different places around the river. Yeah. Um, he would sometimes return to his victims' bodies and have sexual intercourse with their bodies. Wait, he went back? Yeah. Like, after, later? Yeah. After dumping their bodies, he would later return and have sex with their dead and decomposing bodies. Why do we both uh, pick necrophiliacs? Is that a word? Necrophiliacs? Yes. Yeah, because cause it's fucked up. Oh it's God. really fucked up. Oh, my God. Um, he would later explain that he didn't necessarily find necrophilia more sexually satisfying, but that having sex with the uh, deceased victims would decrease his need to obtain another living victim and would limit his exposure to being caught. So not that, oh, I need to kill less, so I'm going to fuck some dead people. I don't want to get caught. So I need to slow it down a bit. So he wasn't worried about being caught because he was leaving these bodies in areas that he'd go back to? No. Okay. Yep. Um, but one, one thing to really note is, like I mentioned earlier, he's not a smart guy. He oh, did right. go to college, but he barely passed. Right. Um, so not a smart dude, but when it came to murder, he was like... Pretty intelligent. I mean, that's like where his intelligence lied. Yeah. And he had very great murder skills. Well, like, according murder to... Murder professional. Basically. <laughs> He's like, Gary Ridgway, MP, murder professional. I wonder how you put that on your resume. <laughs> oh, he had one hell of a yeah. resume. I mean, because if you're talking about someone who was successful at their job, you know, Gary Ridgway was. I wonder if he'd put it as a freelancer. Yeah. 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 Consultant. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but according to the Washington Post, he kept no incriminating trophies of his kills, and police never found any evidence in his modest suburban house, although he had strangled dozens of women there. He would, str he would strip jewelry from their bodies and sometimes leave it in the women's restroom of Kenworth Motor Truck Plant in Renton, where he worked. Oh my god. He would take the jewelry from his victims, leave it in the bathroom at his work. <gasps> For people to, like, find it? Yeah. What? <laughs> so... At the motor truck plant, he painted trucks for more than 30 years and won awards for perfect attendance. Wait, he painted trucks? That was his job? Yeah. Did you say that earlier? I don't think so. Okay. But um, won the award for perfect attendance. And he's quoted as saying, My favorite thing was maybe if someone's walking around with a piece of that jewelry that they had found in the bathroom. Uh, yeah. Oh my god. Like, so he would see his co-workers wearing the jewelry that he had left and stolen from his victims. And he loved it. That's so <laughs> many levels of fucked up. Yeah. Um, he told investigators that he always... I, I hate that he phrased it like this. He would always wear gloves on his dates. That's how Wait. he phrased it. No. Mm -hmm. He called them his dates. Oh my god. Which, yeah. I mean, okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, he wouldn't pick up uh, prostitutes unless they were alone. He would 
buy new tires for his truck if he felt he'd driven too close to the side of a dumped body. Wait, um, what? Like, if he felt in his car he had driven too close to the side of a dumped body and left tire tracks, oh. he'd get new tires on his truck. Shit. Like... Okay. Um, Trying to cover his tracks. <laughs> boo. No, shut up. I hate that. We're on a second bottle. Let it happen. I know. <laughs> You're right. Uh, he didn't smoke or chew gum, which I have to add, who doesn't chew gum? Like, come on. So even though he didn't smoke or chew gum, he would leave cigarette butts and gum wrappers near his victims' bodies to skew the evidence. Right. Add confusing clues. Okay. He was really smart when it came to this. Right? For like a dude that, which not to say if you barely pass high school or college, you're dumb, but like no, 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 objectively, Gary Ridgeway was not a very intelligent person until it came to murder planning. You know what? When it's your passion, you know it. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Um, and even, so when one victim had badly scratched his arm, so he's got fingernail scratches on his arm. Mm -hmm. He would he disguised the wound by basting it in battery acid to burn his skin. So it's like, oh, uh, no, working on the truck, you know, the battery did its thing, got to burn. So no oh, one's going to be like, God. oh, you know, this, you know, he had scratches on his arm. I wonder what that's about. They'd be like, oh, battery acid burn. Boom. Yeah. Uh, and if one of his victims would scratch him uh, or rip his clothing, after murdering them, he would clip their fingernails before disposing the body so that he didn't have his DNA or evidence on it. And remember, this is before DNA is a thing, but he's still Whoa. thinking to do Whoa. this. Whoa. This is the 80s. Whoa. DNA testing's not... No, that was the 90s, like with OJ. Yeah. So... Whoa. He, he's still so when he again when it came to murder he's a smart dude um but again i i just want to go into how little info there is on his victims and the murders themselves yeah. um like the these were women and girls that lived on the fringe of society mm -hmm. um but for how famous Gary Ridgway and the Green River murders are, it's crazy. There's not a whole lot of information on each killing and each victim. That is crazy. Um, and to this day, there are some of his victims that are unidentified, that are still just Jane Doe's. Um, oh, I just looked up a picture of him. Yeah. Oh, he's creepy as fuck. Oh my god, he's got like these little beady eyes and this mustache. He kind of looks like Hitler. Okay, a little bit. Yeah, no, I see it. Oh, um, God. But, and I, w I will say, I'm. there's going to be varying numbers of body counts that I mentioned. He was convicted of 49 murders, confessed to 71, and is believed to have upwards of 90. That's So if, if you hear different Wait. numbers each time, that's where they're from. So yeah, he killed possibly... Almost a hundred people, uh, and a lot of it's still just mystery. Let's kind of move into how he was finally caught and yes. the circumstances that led to the end of the Green River killings. Yeah. Um, so, according to the News Tribune, 
In the early 80s, the King County Sheriff's Office formed the Green River Task Force uh, to investigate the murders. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the most notable members of the task force were Robert Keppel and Dave Reichert, who periodically interviewed incarcerated serial killer Ted Bundy in 1984 uh, about the Green River Killer. Wait, what? They would talk to Ted Bundy to get a serial killer's perspective. Oh my god, and it helped them with Gary Ridgway. Yeah, Bundy offered oh opinions on the psychology, motivations, and behavior of the killer and suggested that the killer might be revisiting his dump sites to have sex with his victims. Which is how they found that piece of evidence. Oh my god. Yeah, Bundy told them like, hey... You know, he's probably going back and having sex with his victims. So, if you find a fresh grave, you should probably stake it out and wait for him to come back. Oh my god. So, not only... Like, so Bundy helped build the profile and, in a way, was part of the team that caught Ridgeway. Alright, go Bundy. He, he tried to do something good uh, before they killed him. No. No. Mm -mm. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> not going to give Bundy any props. Sorry. Uh, but Props to you for being super fucked up, too. Yeah. The majority of his killings, again, were between 82 and 84. Mm-hmm. Ridgway was arrested in 82 on prostitution charges. Wait, and for, for, like, getting them? Yeah, for, okay. for soliciting a sex soliciting. worker. Yes. Um, and in 83, was a suspect of the Green River killings. So during his like murder fest, they're like, I think it's Gary. Um, oh my god! And he took a polygraph test, but passed it because he's a fucking psychopath. Though interesting, later reviews of it and later changes to how the FBI looks at polygraph tests uh -huh. would show he failed it. Oh my god! So yeah. So technology and their analyzing was just not up to speed with the times, I guess, yet? Yeah. But I should note that polygraph tests are fairly subjective and right. they're not they're not really considered hard evidence in most cases. No. They're, um, not. they're more used to like, hey, you fucking failed a polygraph test and then people confess, which is hard evidence. Um, but still, they were a lot closer. To catching him than I think they realized. Um, and in 87, so he's, even though we failed the polygraph test, he's, they're, they're still like, okay, but Gary, I think it's him. So they took uh, hair and saliva samples to in, compare. In 87? Yeah. Again, still before DNA, but more being able to like compare hair follicles and stuff. Right. Um, the samples that were collected in 87 were later, once DNA had caught up, subjected to a DNA analysis and finally provided evidence they needed for an arrest warrant oh because God. his DNA matched uh, the semen they found on the victims. Because oh again, God. he would have sex with their bodies yep. and rape them. Um, so on November 30th, 01, Ridgeway is at work at the truck factory. Still working when, at the truck factory. I know. Honestly, <laughs> like, side note, kind of impressive. Holding down the same job for like 30 years. 
Yeah, well, you know, that's, I guess, his generation. Not ours, but his. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, um, so police arrive and arrest him. He was arrested on suspicion of murdering four women. Four. That's what they got him. That's what they got the DNA of. I mean, as long as they got him on one, so. Yeah. And. Those poor other women. Oh, God, And finally, the DNA evidence conclusively linked the semen left on the victims to the saliva swab they had taken in 87. Yep. Uh, The four victims that were named in the original indictment were Marsha Chapman, Opal Mills, Cynthia Hines, and Carol Ann Christensen. Three more victims, Wendy Cofield, Deborah Bonner, and Deborah Estes, were added to the indictment after a forensic scientist... Um, identified some spray paint spheres or spheres that were a specific brand and composition of the paint that he used at the truck factory painting trucks trucks, uh, during that time frame. Yeah. So they're like, okay, we connect these people. November 5th, 2003. So 15 years ago. 14 and a half years ago. Recent. Oh my God. Um, he, this is 03. Yeah. He entered a, a guilty plea on 48 charges of aggravated first degree murder. Oh my God. Um, and as part of the plea bargain that was agreed to that June of 03, um, it would spare him execution because Washington State is a death penalty state. Although. They don't, like, they have it, but they don't really do it. Uh-huh. But it would spare him from the death penalty um, if he agreed to these in exchange for cooperating with police to find the remains of his additional victims and providing more details on them, as well as being able to be convicted of future victims where the evidence pointed to him. Oh, my God. So, um... 2003. How yeah. the fuck did I not know about this when it was ha- like when he was arrested and like Yeah, this was like news. Cuz I was in high school, so I was old enough to where I should have been paying attention to the world. Maybe I should have been doing that more at that time. Yeah, I was in like a 5th grade or something. So, <laughs> I have a I get by with this. God. But um yeah, in his statement that accompanied his guilty plea He explained that he had killed all of his victims inside King County, Washington, (laughs) but he had transported his victims and dumped their remains both in the Green River area in King County, and he dumped two women, uh, or two of his victims in the Portland area to throw off suspicion. Oh my god. Drove to Portland to dump the bodies? He (laughs) put two of his victims... In his work truck. Oh And my drove gosh. the three hours to Portland to dump them to th- just add another layer of mystery of to the killings. God. Um, I, but regarding why a plea deal was offered, the King County prosecuting attorney, Norm Mailing, said, We could have gone forward with seven counts. But that is all we could have ever hoped to solve. At the end of that trial, whatever the outcome, there would have been lingering doubts about the rest of these crimes. 
this agreement was the avenue to that truth. And in the end, the search for the truth is still why we have the criminal justice system. Gary Ridgway does not deserve our mercy. He does not deserve to live. The mercy provided by today's resolution is directed not at Ridgway, but towards the families that have suffered so much. So had they gone forward with, uh -huh. without the plea, you know, best case scenario, they can indict him on and find him guilty on seven counts of murder. Yeah. But the 42 other victims that he, that were part of the plea bargain. Yeah would not have you know their families would not have had that justice no, yeah. and oh, the God. possibly upwards of 50 other victims would not be able to be attached to this so i get it i get I, it I, I, get, I get it too i understand and i like that the you know they went more for the justice for the justice for the families yeah um because also i it's, I think it's been like 15, 20 years since Washington has executed someone. Wow. Like they do have people on death row, but it's more, they're more living a life sentence. Right. Um, so that, that's why they did go forward with a plea bargain, which is not really something you see in most murder cases, True. especially ones this prolific. Yeah. Uh, but on December 18th of 03, the um, King County Superior Court Judge Richard Jones sentenced Ridgeway to 48 life sentences with no possibility of parole Good. and one life sentence to be served consecutively. He was also sentenced to an additional 10 years for tampering with evidence uh, for each of his 48 victims. Oh, 10 so, years for each? Yeah. So okay. 48 life sentences, well, 49 life sentences plus 480 years that was his ending that, like, yeah oh my god well 48 one can served consecutively so 48 yeah and then 480 years um and yeah so the only way he avoided the death penalty was um the plea bargain yeah um and though at the time he was charged with only 48 victims uh, he would go on in 05 to be found guilty of a 49th victim. Um, he would also later go on to confess to killing 71 victims, uh, but again is suspected of murdering more than 90 people. Oh my god. Um, so I'm, I'm going to read through... Um, so wait, he's still alive right now and in jail, right? Yeah. He, uh, they in, had originally... In Seattle area? Well, they had originally sent him, uh, and he was being held in federal prison in Colorado. Uh-huh. But... Wait, why Colorado? Uh, because that's where Supermax is. Oh, okay, okay. Um, or that's where the Supermax he was sent to is. Uh, there, I don't think there's Supermax in Washington. Mm -hmm. I think the closest ones are Colorado or California. But, um, he, the people actually appealed that decision and he was later moved to a prison in Washington um, so that as they find more victims and more evidence, he can better easily be charged. Oh my God. Now that he's back in Washington. Uh, but I do want to take uh, some time 
to read the names and ages of his 49 confirmed victims. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, and I, for, for the most part, these are in order of um, when they were murdered, it, with a couple of the Jane Doe's, it, their time of murder is not exact. Right, right. Because so, they don't know who they were, so they can't really say when they went missing. Uh, but his victims are Wendy Lee Caulfield, age 16, Giselle Ann Lavorne, age 17, Deborah Lynn Bonner, age 23, Marcia Faye Chapman, age 31, Cynthia Jean Hines, age 17, Opal Charmaine Mills, 16, Terry Renee Milligan, 16, Mary Bridget Meehan, 18, Deborah Lorraine Estes, 15, Linda Jane Rule, 16, Denise Darcel Bush, 23, Shonda Leah Summers, 16, Shirley Marie Sherrill, 18, Rebecca Becky Marrero, 20, Colleen Renee Brockman, 15, Sandra Denise Major, 20, Alma Ann Smith, 18, Dolores Laverne Williams, 17, Gail Lynn Matthews, 23, Andrea M. Childers, 19, Sandra K. Gabbert, 17, Kimmy Kai Pistor, 16, Marie M. Malvar, 18, Carol N. Christensen, 21, Martina Teresa Authorly, 18, Cheryl Lee Wims, 18, Yvonne Shelley Antosh, 19, Carrie Ann Royce, 15, Constance Elizabeth Nong, 19, Carrie Marie Ware, 22, Tina Marie Thompson, 21, April Dawn Buttram, 16, Debbie Mae Abernathy, 26, Tracy Ann Winston, 19, Marie Sue Feeney, 19, Mary Sue Bayo, 25, Pammy Annette Avent, 15, Delise Louise Plager, 22, Kimberly L. Nelson, 21, Lisa Yates, 19, Mary Exeta West, 16, Cindy Ann Smith, 17, Patricia Michelle Barzak, 19, Roberta Joseph Hayes, 21, Marta Reeves, 36, Patricia Yellowrobe, 38, an unidentified white female, Jane Doe B10, uh, aged somewhere between 12 and 18. Another unidentified white female, Jane Doe B17, aged somewhere between 14 and 18. And finally, an unidentified female, Jane Doe B20, aged somewhere between 13 and 24. And it's important to note, those are just the victims he's been convicted of. That is not an exhaustive list of those he's confessed or those he's suspected of. Yeah. 
Well, um... I need more wine. <laughs> I, uh... I will say, after reading the list of names and just thinking about his count, um, and God, I, I just... I can't even imagine um, that... I'm trying to grapple with the fact that the, he was finally convicted, like, in the early 2000s, and, like, these families, mm -hmm. you know, thankfully for these 49, they got some justice, but I know so many did not. Yeah, well, these are, I mean, these are people that, some of these murders are 20 years old by the time sentencing happening happens. I, God, I can't imagine. Um, and it, what really struck me is so many of them are... 15, 16, 17. Yes. There are so many children There are the so list. many children on this list. And that, as you were reading through, like, that was breaking my heart. Because they're, they barely even got to live. And they were just trying to, you know, do something good as far as, like, getting money for them mm -hmm. or their families. or And that was their their outcome. Because yeah. the, I mean, the reality for so many people is that. Like, you know, sex work is work. It's a job. And it's, you know, a, a lot of people, like, it's not, it's it's not a shameful profession to a lot of people. It's them right, going it's to work. Doing. Yeah. And just to be murdered. I know, to go to work <laughs> and to not come home. Yeah. Um, well. Yeah. I will say, uh, on that note... I feel like I can easily select a winner, and I think it's you. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. No, I'm going to agree. After reading through the names of the victims and just how many there are, I'm going to agree. I think yeah. I won. <laughs> it's, it's just... I guess the, uh, one. <laughs> I, I mean, both of these killers were insanely fucked up, and the things that they did were intense and brutal and just hard to stomach you know uh, to be honest yeah uh, but I, I think just because of the uh, multitude of the victims you know Gary Bridgeway he like you said he's the most prolific serial killer so I'm thinking you uh, you win this round Con congratulations yeah yeah. Um. Well, so I guess that means for okay. next week's episode, you get to pick the wine, and I will come up with the topic. Okay. I uh, have a couple ideas on what uh, what wine we're going to do, and... Well, and I have a couple of ideas on the topic we can do. All right. So, um, thank you so much to our listeners. We really appreciate you hanging in and listening to this. You know, there were... Many, many intense <laughs> moments. Uh, many, many intense moments during this episode. And um, we hope that you enjoyed it. You know, Which I it's, think that's an okay word no, to say. No, yeah. It's, it, come on. It's a murder podcast. No, it's, it's a murder podcast. Obviously. <laughs> you enjoyed it. <laughs> if you're listening to this, you're interested in the topic. And if you and... made it to this point. Yeah. I, I hope you enjoyed it. I don't know what you're doing here if you didn't. <laughs> if you made it to this point, you've had a good time. So we will um, cheers to yeah. our listeners. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, we will catch y'all next week. Yeah. See you next week with uh, 
Whatever Britney's murder topic is. <laughs> and whatever or wine. Or crime topic, I guess. And whatever wine Tyler picks. Mm. All right. Thanks, All right. you guys. Thanks. Bye.